Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 5 of 365 Talks Social Media. Amy and Lucy here, and in today's episode, we're going to be discussing the difference between influencers and brand ambassadors. In the run-up to Christmas, and with Black Friday having just passed, we're seeing more adverts on social media from both sets of content creators. It'd be really interesting to discuss our opinions on which type of creator is best for your business, depending on what you'd like to achieve from a collaboration. Do excuse the office dogs if you can hear them in the background. We have a black Labrador and a little Frenchie that are probably causing havoc in the background. So do ignore that. Let's get into introducing what the two different sets of content creators are. So I guess, first of all, we were, I'm just going to mention that we didn't actually plan on doing this podcast for a while. We've kind of moved it forward. And that was because of what we've seen over Black Friday and coming up to Christmas. And we just felt like it was a great topic to discuss because it's quite fresh in everybody's minds. So a brand advocate, in our opinion, is a member of a brand's community or a business business's community that has grown over time to be a strong believer in the brand and have a great connection with the brand. The biggest thing about a brand advocate is that they take time. They're not instant. They don't come about really quickly. They are somebody who has had a great experience with the brand time and time again, and they'll eventually become that great brand advocate. An example of this is something I learned on a Zoom a couple of weeks ago. And it was actually, we were talking about a, the company Lululemon and about how they grew. And they essentially grew their whole business on advocates. So their, their business, they, they create yoga sportswear. And they started off by creating a product, a, you know, their first pair of leggings. And what they did was they gave that to a local yoga teacher. And they gave it to this person time and time again to try and get the perfect product. And once they got the perfect product, that yoga teacher started promoting it. Mm. And then it kind of extended to her group of... of, uh, Attendees? Attendees of of her yoga class. And then it kind of spread like that very organically. And that's a great example of advocacy because it's something that took time. When was this? Was this like pre-kind of YouTube era? Oh, 100%. This was, I believe, the 1990s. Yeah, so So... we're talking about here, like, before... I guess people might think now, and we can kind of talk about how it's evolved over the years, but I think now when people think of brand advocates or brand ambassadors, people immediately think of perhaps a yoga teacher, but on YouTube. Yeah. Whereas this was an actual physical class, and it's the same principle but you have your class attendees and then it spreads in the same way, but in a real world setting. Yeah. And I think the whole kind of strategy for advocates really ties into word of mouth marketing, which I'm pretty sure every single marketer will admit is the best form of marketing. Yeah. So obviously word of mouth is is just essentially people recommending products to each other. And that's what advocacy, brand advocates really bring for a brand or a business is that they are so in tune with the brand they believe in the brand like this yoga teacher for for lululemon you know this the, the brand worked with this person developed a great product they then told their you know attendees of their class which then organically spreads to kind of sum up a brand advocate in general after they've been established after they've got that great relationship with a brand you know brand advocates are reviewers So they will review your business. They'll promote your business in that way. They are content creators. So they are most likely to share something on their social media platforms themselves about you for free. 
difference between influencers, of course. They are social posters, so they are posting and recommending you on social media to other people. And they're also feedback givers because they are connected to the brand. They want to give feedback on something that they don't like or that they think could improve because they believe in the brand so much that they don't want to go elsewhere. They just want you and your brand to improve. It's actually quite difficult to describe a brand advocate because they are a quite a complex yeah. type of figure. But a lot of businesses have been built on that model and, and Lululemon is a great example of that because once the business so the business actually started in Canada um, with this specific yoga teacher and then it, essentially it just kind of grew out so it I think it was in Toronto it started and then it kind of sp- uh, went to another city in Canada and then it just kind of expanded and spread across the globe yeah. using that same principle every time of brand advocates and that business is now Huge. Well, it's, I th- it's huge. Anytime I think of leggings, it's Lululemons yeah. is what I think of because they have their hero product, yeah. which is the leggings, and it's grown from that. So I think that most people, if you mention Lululemons, they probably think of the leggings because that is something that, even if you haven't bought them yourself, you're very aware that the product exists in that kind of space. So I guess that's it in a very kind of broad... And it's really difficult with these types of when we're describing content creators because... It evolves with time and the way in which you categorise it, it's different for every type of person, for every kind of industry you sit in, in terms of where your content sits, whether you have a specific niche. I'll move on to summing up how we're viewing influencers for this podcast. I would say that an influencer, and as I understand it, would have following first before a product. So they build their platform and then typically brands or businesses will approach them for promotion based on their reach. So their audience that they have already established, they go to. So when we look at brand advocacy, that yoga teacher, it's probably not that she didn't have, oh, your your class attendees are too small, so you're not going to work with us. So I feel like influencers, especially for a brand perspective, the first thing that they look at is potential reach, potential followers, um, how much engagement rate they're getting. And then a decision is made based on the foundations that they've built already. And this, again, can depend on industry to industry and person to person. But I generally feel like that that is one of the main considerations that people think about when working with influencers and collaborating. Um, And I guess within the influencer realm, cast celebrities, micro-influencers, macro-influencers, YouTubers, um, that whole realm of influence online, I suppose, is under the influencer category. Um, But we just thought we'd differentiate that to start with because it can be slightly confusing, um, especially when there is quite a bit of crossover between the two now that so much is online. People? Yeah, I'd say like content creators. Content creators, I, I kind of compare them and give our kind of opinion on which we prefer and also kind of looking forward of, you know, what are we going to see more in the future? Yeah. Um, So for me, I am definitely a more of a believer in brand brand advocates rather than influencers. Mm. Um, I think that probably two to three years ago, influencers were 100% the thing. They were no... And I guess the reason I've kind of moved away from influencers so much is that I just think that people and wider communities are a lot more aware of the fact that they're being paid to promote products. Yeah, and I think when we spoke about bringing this podcast topic 
sooner rather than later, is that I think a huge shift in this is when their ASA changed their guidelines so all influencers had to declare ad, yeah. whether that is a product that has been sent to them on a gifted basis, which is a term I really don't like, but that's kind of the exchange is that a brand would send it and say there's no obligation to post, but if they have sent it to someone, it's still a business decision to send it. Yeah. So the ASA changed their guidelines a couple of years ago, I think it was now, that even if a product has been sent to someone and it's not been a paid promotion, it still needs to be declared as an ad. And so this transparency of whether something has been given for free or whether it has there is a pay partnership in place is now very very clear on social which is the reason why this change was about because you couldn't tell before whether something was had an ulterior motive I suppose or you didn't understand the backstory of them having that product and so with that change I feel like a shift in the way in which consumers perceive that content they're just a lot more aware it might be that you had your favorite influencers that you followed for a long time and suddenly all of their posts are marked as an ad because legally they have to be yeah. but suddenly their entire feed is just a combination of products that they've been sent and then suddenly it blurs the lines between are they really a a brand advocate now of a certain product or is there a lot of crossover so in the sense of say a fashion blogger there is going to be a lot of connections between and I follow a lot of people that will do clothing hauls and comment on the quality of all these different brands of clothing from misguided to pretty little thing to boohoo to ASOS and ultimately their opinion is always very positive but I know as a consumer point of view that the quality across these brands are different 100%. and so as we become more educated by consuming the content our opinions or the way in which we're influenced has changed. And so this is why, as we're looking forward in terms of a brand advocacy point of view or a brand ambassador point of view, I feel like that trust is more there because they are genuine and they're probably promoting less. They probably have like, they might be sponsored by a brand as opposed to take on collaborations that they're promoting all the time. And I feel like that shift in trust has really changed the way that people and businesses are thinking about creating content because the way it was consumed a few years ago has really changed now. For influencers, I completely understand that they they have to do ads, they have to do collaborations because that's how they make their money. Yeah. Especially if you're a full-time influencer. So I completely get it. I think probably one of my pet hates for an influencer is when they'll say... I do not endorse any products that I don't I wouldn't buy myself and you know they they use that phrase and for me I'm always a bit like mm, you know you're trying to like justify you're trying to justify it and then they'll normally say that and then follow by promoting a product that I'm like really like, yeah you would especially use that? with these influencers and youtubers that have been really really successful but they started like say seven ten years ago yeah. that you've actually seen them develop and there might be influencers that you followed that you could really relate to five years ago because they were they could be like a working class working person that is sharing genuine product reviews and now because there's so much money in creating content and if you're successful you are really successful their lifestyle would have changed, the products that they buy would have changed because of the fact that you have increased money. And so suddenly you're not relating to the content in the same way that you did before. So even though that's absolutely fine and the evolution of a person is gonna happen in real life and online, I feel like some people do detach from influences in that way, but they don't realize that. So they might be promoting something that five years ago, they would never buy themselves. Now they're paying, a lot of money for something that 
isn't what the majority of people would consider. With influencers, I think one of the main reasons we discussed bringing this forward was definitely because of kind of Black Friday and the activity that we saw. And there's one brand that I do want to kind of touch on a little bit. And I know I sent it to Amy last week when it when it came when it took place. And this is the pretty little thing Black Friday sale. Yeah. Which in my opinion was very controversial. Oh yeah. And it's opened up a lot of conversations, which again is really positive because people are saying how is this sustainable? How are your factory workers being paid? And this transparency was never really considered as much a few years ago. And so I feel like they've actually got a lot of bad press from it because of the fact that they wanted to gain this much traction. I just don't, for me personally, I think it's just a step too far because that's not a sustainable way to do Black Friday every year. And also on their website, I think they had like, very little products that were reduced 99% off and they were sold out within like the first two minutes. Yeah. So yeah, just for context, we the the, the pretty little pretty little thing Black Friday campaign was that they had 99 up to 99% off everything. Mm. And obviously from a business and brand point of view, that means that they're probably majority of the products aren't up to 99% off. No. But they were kind of going on the fact that people were sharing that you could get kind of a dress for like 5p or a pair of shoes for like a pound, um, which is great marketing. Great marketing. However, I actually saw a number of influencers that I follow all kind of promoting this amazing sale. And for me, they were, you know, I looked at the comments they were receiving and people were kind of saying like, this isn't sustainable. Why are you promoting this? Mm. And I agree because... As, a, as an influencer, I feel like you have, you do have a level of responsibility to, to really look at the, the offer you're promoting and think about that and think about the implications. And, you know, I think it is up to the influencer to really look at that situation and assess should they be taking part. But on the same score, I understand that not all influencers have kind of the a contact to kind of look into their their own brand as an yeah. influencer and say like look are you sure you want to be promoting this because for me the influencer influencers i saw promoting it in my eyes they, they've lost my credibility yeah and that's where i think the conversation between brand advocacy is that you would have that communication with them prior and actually get their feedback on it whereas yeah, yeah i completely agree and i think that the pretty little thing is just a testament to how I don't know, just crazy it's become. And obviously it was a huge tactic to get traffic to the website. And I know everyone was talking about it, so it's worked. And so it's a smart way to do it. But I think that there is that responsibility that you need to have, especially with your followers, that you just have to think about it before you promote it. And I think I have seen that grow over the last couple of years where people aren't promoting maybe as much as they perhaps would or Mm. I know a lot of people that I follow say that they turn down a lot because it's not right for them and so I completely understand that respect of it but I still feel like you need to have that responsibility in terms of the brands that you're working with it can't just be signing a contract and working with them you need to think more about what do they believe in and how are my followers gonna take that collaboration I suppose yeah I think one of the best I think one of the best statements that I've seen about influencers is uh, it's actually about kind of as as a business think about how you're renting space. So mm. I'm just going to read kind of the 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 quote I have down um written down. It, the quote says 
people are now wise and they know that influencers are essentially, you know, when you're working with an influencer, you're just renting space on their channel. So if you're renting space, you're renting space on their Instagram. The next week, you are likely to see that influencer promoting an, another brand mm. or even a competitor of yours. There is no loyalty, really, when it comes to influencers. And I think you can see this. If you, if you, if you take clothing brands as, the, as kind of the industry, how many influence, influencers do we see that promote ASOS, Misguided, Pretty Little Thing, and Boohoo? They all they promote all of them. Yeah. So how... How can I listen to an influencer who says, oh, I love Misguided, but then the next week they promote Pretty Little Thing? Yeah. Like, where is, you know, where is the brand... If you're trying to build brand loyalty as a business, where is the value in working with influencers in that respect? Yeah, and then to kind of play devil's advocate here, I can understand it too, because, say from a brand perspective, you want, if you're doing a campaign and you want short-term results and you want to be able to start a campaign, an influencer put a post out, take the metrics, report on it and it's done, then I can understand that mm. from a like reporting and campaign point of view. But like you say, from a loyalty point of view, I don't see it. And I don't see it and I like I personally watch a lot of YouTube videos yeah. and I'm very much like connected to that. But I don't see that loyalty at all really across anyone I watch and again I'm sure that it varies person to person but I don't see it no. and I would appreciate that more because especially from people going back to clothing just because pretty little thing is just on topic that if you're spending a lot of money a lot of people don't buy clothes all the time like it's unsustainable how many like hauls they'll do on their YouTube channel yeah. or something it's like a couple every week and it's just madness but no one shops like that. So if you're, if you are influenced to buy a lot of clothing from a certain shop and then you suddenly see the next week they're promoting other things, it's just not, it's not a viable way of living. No. So why is it a viable way of creating content? And I think that that just opens up that conversation that for me is just interesting. Yeah, I think to kind of go with that point is maybe influencers are better suited to kind of brands where they are relying on fast fast sales fast quick, reach fast reach quick growth like like let's say you know clothing brands because you know fast fashion is very hot at the moment in terms of there's people that do you know there's hundreds and thousands and millions of people that 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 buy from pretty little thing buy from misguided but there is this kind of underlying movement that's coming and it's going it's going to take over at some point about how unsustainable this is yeah. So, uh, you know, a pretty little thing looking at it in the sense of we're going to make as much money as possible now. And if they if that's what they want to do, then influencers are right for them, maybe. Yeah. But most traditional and, and what I would call kind of true brands, they are normally looking at we're building a brand for the indefinite future. And we want these people to, you know, to, to join our brand, be a part of us, be repeat customers, refer more people to, mm. to work with us. And... Maybe it's just different businesses, Yeah, you know, that you've got these brands that want to build that brand loyalty and everything moving forward, whereas Pretty Little Thing, are they just kind of penetrating the market right now and they want to see the results right now? Yeah, and I think that, that you know, as it ties into with, like, Arcadia Group kind of going into yeah. administration, this shift of online fast fashion is 
is more popular than high street shops mm. i know top shop obviously are online but this is just showing such a big shift that that is probably their priority is get the sales now especially with black friday a sustainable small business is never going to be able to compete with that no. so you're going to get lost in the shadow pretty little thing doing um 99 off they did giveaways like all the time like every hour or something over the weekend and it kept the engagement so high but in terms of looking at that over the next six months how many of those people are going to stay loyal to that one business and it's probably not a huge amount because no. you're going to engage and try and win competitions or you're going to try and get a really good price dress or something like that but then the next week if asos had a discount on you're probably going to jump over and check that out so yeah. it's just not really a sustainable way of doing it but i think it's just a really interesting conversation that we'd be really interested to hear what other people have to say so do let us know we've got our social medias linked in the description of this podcast it'd be really interesting so I have one final kind of thought about influencers, which kind of goes against my whole argument about brand advocates being better. And this is an argument based on that influencers can influence their communities unconsciously. Mm. So that sounds quite... So what I mean by that is that I will look at an influencer campaign with Pretty Little Thing and I will think oh, they're promoting a pretty little thing, whatever. I'm, I'm going to scroll past. I'm not going to look at it. But because I keep seeing that brand name, mm. if I'm looking for... If I go on ASOS, which is my preferred uh, online shopping platform, and I'm looking for, I don't know, a pair of trainers, I can't find the right ones on ASOS, I'll probably go and have a look on Pretty Little Thing. Yeah. Because it's subconsciously in my head that this brand is a thing, it's popular. And that's kind of the side of influencers that I think works really well is that you get so much exposure and you just end up seeing this brand name everywhere. And I just think you have a lot more realization. And for me, because I work in this industry, I always say I'm not influenced by influencers. Like I know what they're doing. I know they're being paid, but I am. And we have so many conversations where like we'll come into work and one of us is wearing something new and it's like, oh yeah, oh, I actually saw so-and-so yeah. wearing it. And then even though we work in social media and we feel like we have an eye over almost not quite being taken in in the same way, I suppose, we do. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting how it happened. If you're online, you have definitely been influenced at least once, but 100%. probably so many times. And without you even realising it, it, even to the point where... You know, it's great if you have, say you're watching a, someone's clothing haul, someone's put an Instagram post about working with Pretty Little Thing, and then you go on their website and you're like, oh, that's cool, and then you jump off, and then it's the website ads that yeah. come up, and it's that whole like synergy of, ad of advertising that comes from that one post. And it's, you know, it's so interesting because influencers and working with influencers has evolved so much that for us, we're still learning and we're totally consumed by it too but it's just a really interesting point of view of how like what does this look like in a couple of years time and where will the shift will it kind of balance a little bit will it shift more one way to another um and it's just i think over christmas it's really interesting to see how many influencers promote certain things and 
especially where they're trying to be more specific in terms of the messaging, does that dissolve a bit over Christmas or do they stay true to their like core values and what do they look like? Yeah, I mean, an example I'll give is that a couple of weeks ago, I knew we were doing this podcast, so I was kind of keeping an eye on my Instagram for any kind of examples I could talk about. And I saw about four different influencers that I follow. They were all promoting this like print count this print company decenio decenio that's who it was and i just found it really interesting that this business had chosen that these influencers all post about it at the same time yeah Um, because in my opinion i think that lessens the kind of authenticity because if you see it all these different influencers talking about it at the same time i i think i'm not massively keen on that however if i'm in the future if i'm gonna go and buy prints online Maybe I'm going to use that business. Yeah. Because I know who they are. That was what I was going to kind of ask you to conclude this was, does seeing like waves of promotion, because I feel like you'll suddenly hear a lot about Pretty Little Thing and then suddenly a lot about misguided Mm. or suddenly whatever product it may be, I feel like it comes in waves. Does that cause distrust in the fact that you're seeing so much that it's like, well, surely it's not as good because obviously they're being paid to have to say this or does it make you think hmm, there are so many people talking about it, maybe I will check it out. And I think you've kind of answered that already, that in the moment, it's kind of like, ugh, like it's, yeah. like it's too much. And I think that, again, every business is different in terms of how many people they work with and how many of... It might be that because of your age, you're following a vast majority, perhaps, of those influencers that are within their category but someone that is slightly younger, someone that's slightly older, maybe they're only following one or two, so that saturation is not as high. For me personally, if I see a lot of sponsorships or advertising on a specific product all at one time, I don't, yeah, I don't like it either. I feel like it makes me distrust the product because I'm like, if it's that good, why are you paying all these people to talk about it? Why aren't people just talking about it? But then again, I feel like that reflects the influencer culture because are you going to recommend something that you're, you haven't been given or that there isn't a contract behind. It's so interesting, isn't it? It's so interesting. And I think kind of like looking back at what we've just kind of talked about, you know, the original idea of this podcast was to kind of put influencers and brand advocates against each other and say, right, we recommend using brand advocates or we recommend using influencers. And I don't think we've come to that conclusion because there's so many what ifs or buts and you know, even now sitting here, I'm like, well, maybe influencers are, you know, they do have their purpose. They are great because, you know, I'm, I am influenced by, influenced by them. Yeah. But I think I have more of a connection with kind of brand advocates because you can really grow your business on that for like a longer period of time. Yeah. Rather than in really short bursts, like with influencers. But I don't know. It's such an interesting discussion. We'd absolutely love it if anyone would like to kind of have a further discussion, if anyone wants to kind of send in any further thoughts or questions. um, We'd really love to kind of continue the discussion. Definitely. It's something that we're probably going to continue talking about after we've finished recording. But like always... We have spoken for far too long. So we're going to wrap this up here. But if you have enjoyed it, do let us know. Leave us a review and email in any suggestions on anything else you'd like us to talk about. That's all from us this week. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Bye, guys. Bye.